If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast. I am Luke, as always. Matt's here in the northern area. Hello. And back by popular demand, it's Mo Walker. Hello, Mo. Hi, guys. Glad to be back. Hopefully things will soon be calm in my, my side of the world. We don't normally do news of this nature on the podcast, but I thought we don't have many people who are in a different place to us. What are your rules? Because at the moment we're in lockdown, so we can't see our family members. We can't leave home unless it's essential. What are the rules slash guidelines that you're living under at the moment? Honestly, it varies. In my uh, large town, I like to call it a large town, not a city, of Charlottesville, there are limitations in terms of gathering sizes and so forth but in public places. How big of a gathering would it be? It actually shrunk. I mean, it, it uh, it's like down to 10. See, I envy you because we're only allowed to meet one other person outdoors. That's it. So they're in a, in a support bubble or a childcare bubble or yeah. all these other provisos. Yeah. It's not as defined as that. I mean, masks are controversial for, you know, idiotic reasoning uh, yeah. over here. And when you go into stores and public spaces, there are masks available. Customer service reps will ask you to put on a mask if you don't have one. But they certainly are not going to get in sort some sort of argument with someone over it because they've turned violent over here. Fortunately, I'm, I don't work in that industry, but you know, I, I just feel as though those poor people don't are paid enough, so they shouldn't be uh, putting themselves at even greater risk than mm. what they already are. Mm. Well, nice to start off on a nice... <laughs> <laughs> That's my vibe, because I'm just fascinated by us under what feels like quite restrictive measures you seem to be living alongside it rather than living under it which is quite interesting to me as someone who hasn't left the house in over a month yeah i mean i don't i work from home i have been for a while like nine months or so i'm unfortunately mm. one of those individuals who can work from home stores again you know some some stores they're very uh limited they restrict the number of patrons that are allowed in there and then our our walmarts 
and, and big box stores and so forth, you know, they have people at the front door, you know, clicking the number. And there's been a bit of controversy about, you know, are they really checking the number or not? Our governor, who has gotten some flack from the administration, in particular, one individual about his handling of COVID and our COVID guidelines and so forth, you know, it, it's really been cracking. They've been really trying to crack down on stores who are exceeding the number of patrons that they're that they're supposed to have. Could you go out for a meal tonight, though, if you wanted? Oh yeah, I could go. I could go out for a meal. I mean, again, I'm not, this, restaurant. This, I'm not paying you to be on the podcast. This is just a way of me finding out how you. Would use the <laughs> but... No, 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 no. So I can go to a meal. You may have to wait. Yeah. Again, and it depends on the number. So they've put up these uh, tents outside, and they've got heaters. And so there are folks who, if they feel like it, they can eat outside in this tent, and they're socially distanced. Yeah. Or you can eat inside the establishment. They'll put caps on the number of patrons. So it depends on some places. You know, they'll tell you. You know, you it show, if you show up, it's first come first serve. Sometimes, you know, I've my partner will go pick up something. And there'll be places where we're not comfortable going even to pick up something because there are too many people Crazy. there, especially if it's a small establishment. That's fascinating, though, because we aren't allowed to go and sit in anywhere. Some places do takeaway, which we're allowed to to partake in. But, um, yeah, that's fascinating because it seems just completely different. And I was going to move on a little bit and say that this week all um, productions in California, which is the hub of the entertainment industry and the network, TV, comedies and dramas, all those have shut down again as California appears to be the new epicentre of it in America. So, first of all, how are you finding watching shows on a weekly basis where the characters have embraced this COVID world? I know This Is Us did a load of episodes where they were masked up. Grey's Anatomy's got a load of episodes where one of the main characters has got COVID. I don't want that in my life, but I wondered how it's affecting, you know, whether you watch these shows or how it feels different. Is it odd? It is odd. So if you take, for instance, the Chuck Lorre shows on CBS, he gave an interview in, um, I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter, where he talked about he does not want to deal with COVID in his shows. One, because, you know, one of them is set back in the 90s. Um, the, the Sheldon show. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'd be so that'd tricky, be kinda, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it kind of be tricky, you know. But think about it from a logical perspective. Sheldon would be wearing a mask. He would be gloved up. He would probably yeah. be, you know, the new bubble boy or something. And Chuck Lorre's new show, uh, Be Positive. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to laugh at that one. Be... So... That's a show that's a contemporary <laughs> show, and then Bob Hart's Abishola. So those two, those two shows, for instance, he thinks it would be odd to focus on COVID, you know, in story because he's thinking like five years down the line when these are in syndication, yeah, when these are in, yeah, it's gonna look weird. Weirdly enough, our soap operas, none of them have tackled COVID. It's 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 this really stark contrast when you watch one of our soap operas, General Hospital, which is. A medical soap opera, yeah. though it has a lot of mobsters, it it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it does not tackle COVID. They've sort of alluded to PPEs and so forth, but if you compare that with Coronation Street, you compare that with Hollyoaks, you compare that with Emmerdale, 
East, you know, there you do on a daily basis. <laughs> you know, you see how they've written COVID into the story. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the characters are dealing with it, but here it's it's this weird contrast. It just really depends on the shows um, and the and the people involved whether they decide they want to include it or not. I suppose, and that's what it boils down to. And I think the Dick Wolf shows. I've read some interviews and listened to some interviews in which you know they're they're tackling COVID, but it's not necessarily going to be in the forefront. It it, it is very very strange. Uh, Matt's here as well. Hello, Matt. Hello. <laughs> How are you finding uh, lockdown number three? Well, we've been fumigated at the office this week because there's been a couple <laughs> of positive cases. Wow. Not us personally, just the no, office. I just want you standing there in like, the embarrassing body's tent. Yeah, yeah. No, no one on our team has tested positive, but there's been on our floor a couple of the members of the police staff who we work with have tested positive. So you mean your office has been tented or something? Is that what yeah, you mean? Well, they just basically, you know, don't know what the word is like. Hose that, hose down <laughs> the. Just, basically, when we left, there was a van that said "crime scene cleanup," <laughs> so it was one of those type things. Like, <laughs> Raised the office. <laughs> oh god, the world is so weird. I can't cope with it. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. I have done the meeting one person outside socially distanced thing. I literally went round to my friend's house and just stood and shouted at him from the bottom of his driveway. Oh, nice. Very Romeo and Juliet of you, or Rapunzel, yeah. I like that. On the podcast this week, though, we have ITV's new crime drama, The Pembrokeshire Murders, which Mo was unable to see. Thank you, ITV. Uh, Then we have Pooch Perfect on the BBC, because Matt... Then we have Lupin on Netflix, and we have 24 Hours in Police Custody, Black Widow, on Channel 4. We could start bleak, and we could end on something as disastrous as Pooch Perfect, or we could start with Pooch Perfect, because we've been quite dark up to this point. It's completely up to you. Where do you want to begin? Why don't you all go ahead and just start with the uh, Pembrokeshire um, murders? Okay. Because I'm I'm curious to hear about it. Well, as is tradition, you're going to let shows... me set this up. Yeah, I'll let Matt. <laughs> Go on, Matt. I was, I, I, I planned for this. Don't worry. <laughs> I knew which show is Luke going to make me set up this week. It's going to be the Pembrokeshire murders. <laughs> um, yes. Well, this is about some murders in Pembrokeshire. There well done, Matt. <laughs> Do you want a bit more? So this follows uh, Luke Evans is a DCS Steve Wilkins. He is a um, police investigator who has returned to Wales following some time uh, in the Met Office in London. Uh, he is um, estranged from his wife. He's got a tenuous relationship with his children. He's trying yeah. to convince his son to spend more time with him. He's got a daughter who just turns up to use his washing machine. This is sort of the advent of more DNA technology. It's set in 2006. There's an unsolved cold case regarding a, a couple who were murdered back in 1989. The main suspect, uh, John Cooper, they can never pin him down for the crime. He's currently in jail 
as of the start of this series for, I believe it's burglary offences or theft, yeah. something along yeah. those lines. And yeah. by and by, as, as uh, Wilkins is looking uh, into this cold case, he looks at the similarities between other murders and, and a string of sexual offences and things like that. And by and by, him and his team set up a whole new investigation to sort of link all these murders and try and, and charge Cooper for them where they couldn't before. I'm really frustrated, actually, that because of where he is in the world, Mo was unable to see this, because I feel completely unqualified to review this show because it it fell so flat for me. I couldn't tell you any of the characters' names particularly, and I've been wrong before. I said something similar about Manhunt with Martin Clunes two years ago, which I subsequently found really riveting and really interesting. But this seems even more pared down than that. It's just another standard crime drama, very procedural, you know, this Luke Evans character looking into the disappearance of this elderly couple and then what has Keith Allen's character got to do with it and how far back do his crimes go and... Like you said about Tracy's last week, Matt, I found myself staring out of the window. I found myself pausing it to check emails. There's just nothing man- magnetic going on on the screen. It's all very paint-by-numbers, all very slow, and I just really struggled to get to the end of it. And I, I could be wrong. I, you know, I've been wrong before, with, as I say, with Manhunt, and I enjoyed Honor, which was nothing special but a really... Sort of I liked solid on crime it. drama with Keely Hawes at the helm. This I found boring. I'm sorry. You know, with Manhunt, I think we liked the sort of the, the precise nature of that investigation. It felt almost documentary-like. Mm. Sort of the same with Honor, but Honor had a lot to do with your sympathy for the victim and how the the system had let them down before. For these, you either have to have you're invested in the in the lead officer, you're invested in the victim or you know you are entranced by the level of work that the police are doing on this case i or think the, they or, had... the, or the killer is really sort of interesting and spooky and enigmatic yeah. yeah yeah and and the main thing that i liked in this was the bits where you saw them preparing and getting all the boxes out of storage and and you know almost trying to keep it under wraps there's a really weird subplot where someone was wanting to make a documentary about the murders at the same time and they they get him not to do it if he gets the exclusive all the stuff with him and his kids felt very very generic i didn't connect to it because it was just it seemed we started our company girls who do interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to chase for business to build along with us They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. To be so plodding. And when you compare it to another police thing we watched this week, it's just 
Yeah, I was. Dark. I wouldn't say plodding. I did not find it a strain to watch. I did not have the same issue that I had with Traces. But the 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 dialogue here I found very exp- expository, far fetched at some points. Again, not as far fetched as some of the stuff that was being said in Traces. I mean, I yeah. don't know the true story very well, but I, you know, if this was a fictional drama, I would have a suspicion that his son had something to do with the murders. The way they were setting it up, I don't know what happened in in the real life case, but no. you know the fact that they fo- were focusing on the son, the fact that he was having flashbacks that included Jim Bowen for some reason. Yeah, well, that was very yeah. strange. A lot of um, my flashbacks I have Jim Bowen in them because um, it's always I mean, telling me what I could have won. I think this is well directed. This program, I think you get a, nice, a lot of lovely shots of the of the Welsh coast. You know, Luke Evans is quite a, an enigmatic performer, or can be given the right mm. material. Um, I, you know, I I fell asleep near him once when I went to the premiere of uh, what was it? He was in the, the Great, great, the great Train Robbery. That's as a story the, as... we've never brought up on the podcast no, before. No, anyone I, anyone yeah. else famous you've fallen asleep nearby? I don't know. I'd have to look back at all the screenings I've been to. I think you're right here that the, unless something really sort of changes in this, there doesn't there doesn't seem to be anything to really entice you to go any further. I I felt yeah. anyway. Well, you know, we don't have to talk about this, but it just fascinates me that every ITV drama between now and when we go on somewhat of a summer break, is in the crime genre, even Finding Alice, which is... Oh, I was going to ask about that, because that doesn't seem like it's... The trailers that I've seen for that looks like it's being set up as more of a... Like a family drama, you know. Yeah, but it's it's how did he fall down the stairs? Mm. Was he pushed? You know, how does that work? So there's that. Then bit like the staircase. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a bit like. Then there's the Bay and Unforgotten's back soonish, so they're they're putting all their eggs this this winter into the crime basket, and hopefully those will be better. But um... you say that most of the stuff on ITV seems to feature one of the chasers at the moment. Well, yeah, there's that as well. But that's uh, Pembrokeshire Murders, nine o'clock Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. While we're in the genre, we're going to keep going with Channel 4's 24 Hours in Police Custody. This was a double bill across two nights, Mondays and Tuesday, um, on Channel 4. 24 Hours in Police Custody, colon, you know I love me a good colon, Black Widow. Uh, This was the story of a man who didn't trust the girl he had met online through online dating, happened to record a conversation between her and another man where she talks of getting rid or murdering her ex-husband who she says has driven her mad and made her life a living hell it was then the investigation into not only who the man was she was speaking to but who this woman was that would put out such an outlandish request it turned out to be a woman called victoria breeden who um had spent the majority of her life claiming things about her ex-husband which weren't true she called him a paedophile she'd never forgiven him for taking custody of their daughter their elder daughter and basically she'd spent her time going online uh, meeting these people these men finding vulnerabilities in them and basically asking them if they would do away with her ex-husband and it was fascinating because you know i love 24 hours in police custody it puts you as a fly on the wall in these custody suites and victoria was specifically interesting because she was a bit of a con woman she claimed she had a back injury and 
wanted a wheelchair. When they got her food, she claimed she was gluten intolerant and they had to go out and find things for her to eat. She claimed she had no knowledge of meeting these people, even though it was on recording. And it was just fascinating to me, absolutely mind-blowing. And as a wheelchair user occasionally, the, the final episode made me so angry. And as opposed to something like the Pembrokeshire Murders, this was just utterly gripping. And I know it's different. I know it's a documentary rather than a drama. So I haven't got to worry about whether this piece of dialogue's written. But the way they make the show... And there is an interview now on the site with the director of the programme. The way they make the show, it does feel like you're watching a drama and you always have to remind yourself that this happened in Cambridge a couple of years ago and that this Victoria Breeden is a proper monster who is in, you know, is living her life and going about her day trying to off her ex-husband. Mo, what was your exposure to this series before I asked you to watch it for the podcast? Actually, I'd never watched it before. You know, over the years, you all, um, you, Luke, and, and Matt, and, and, and Gary, just the three of you all just talking about the series. Um, actually, weirdly enough, that over here, there is um, one of these free uh, streaming services uh, called Tubi actually has some of the earlier series Ooh, available. So I'm actually going to go back and, and watch those. Definitely. The format did remind me of several of these police more like procedural uh real life documentary shows over here we have mm. something called the first 48 on on a and e but what 24 hours does they they i think what i liked is that they they painted a broader picture of the victims when we got to know graham which is something that we yeah. don't get in that 24 hour i mean sorry yeah the first 48 well i was that was thoroughly engaged i just had to keep reminding myself that it wasn't an actual drama to, dramatization this as you mentioned the structure of this it felt beat by beat like something you would get in a dramatization where at certain points there was this feeling of there, there was a new twist and that was an act break yeah, <laughs> and exactly and this sort of rising crescendo in terms of the uh, and not even the action but in terms of the the drama in terms of her body in and of itself, it's just, it feels like she just made herself age over the course mm. for, for us, these 90 minutes approximately, because when Graham first, you know, she, you know, she looked like, you know, someone in her late thirties, early forties, but it feels like she just aged. And I'm not mm. sure if it was just that there was how much time lapsed between when Graham first met Victoria to when he turned in the recording to the police because it just, when she showed up, she just showed up very frail and just went down downhill from there. Her, all part of her game, wasn't it? Yeah, really? I th it yeah. I think they'd said that her and Graham hadn't been together like about a year or so, I think they said on the, on the show. It wasn't very long. Okay. Again, I was just, I just kept thinking like, you know, this is channel four. I'm like, is Paul Abbott watching this, taking some notes? Is this going yeah, to well, be... The, the thing is, I, I always say that, I, you know, if someone's a crime drama writer and they're watching that, it makes their job ten times harder because real life, when it's that good, it just can't compete with a written piece for me. I just find it so engaging. Um, Matt, you have not been an avid viewer of these, although, like Matt no. says, we, we did talk about them. Um, mm. As engaged as us? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I, th I think what they do well, obviously, you know, they have all this information beforehand and it's the way that they reveal 
what has happened what you haven't said up to now is that you know there's this initial conversation that's recorded between her and this this chap earl who it, it turns out has got learning needs and thought let's just you talk know, about earl for a second how scary was earl he was sort of mountainous man but he had the you know the learning capacity of someone quite young you know he didn't know what conspiracy meant for example you know someone someone had to explain to him when he was charged with conspiracy to murder and mm. and and that was the thing that she'd manipulated a lot of these men into committing these crimes you know you said this was her first husband rob she married again and and the second yeah. husband was arrested she basically for... destroyed the lives of every man she mm. came in contact yeah, with. Really. Yeah, 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 because he had PTSD, I think, her second husband, Wayne. I think it was near the end of the first episode, you learned that there was an arson attack at first husband Rob's house, which he almost died in, that Wayne was arrested and charged for and went to prison for. She was NFA'd, and there'd been so many different times where the police hadn't been able to catch her, and it was just out of circumstance that, you know, uh, Graham managed to record this thinking she was having an affair affair with earl that this all came out and and you know i i love the reactions of the of the police as you as you say you know i think the only thing here is how much the police know or remember that they're being filmed because there there were some lines here that the police said where it was very much we have to be one step ahead of her you know she's always been one step ahead before in terms of the story in terms of the way they laid it out even the final reveal about you know she went to court and they did the she was charged with four counts of conspiracy to murder and then one line that says she was found not guilty and you're like oh my god of one count it's just it's just a very expertly put together thing and i think these have been there's not been a duff episode of um 24 hours in peace justly that i've seen and i think because of the world we live in perhaps we're not going to get the full series anymore but just these double bills at the start of the year we had one last year as well are enough for me when the story is that compelling and that interesting because i think it's one of the most well-made and uh, consistently good documentaries that we get a lot of reason i struggle with written crime drama is because i watch these and i see how people behave and the, the two things feel like different worlds and i just found it engaging you can go and read my interview with the director of the piece now on the website thecustardtv.com the best and the worst on the box it's the custard tv podcast that's too good to be true Right, we've reached the point of the podcast. I, I think we should do Lupin next. I think I think we should do okay. Pooch Pooch to be the main, main okay. event. Really. Main okay, event, Pooch that's Pooch. fine. Okay, Mo's just—I can hear it in his voice every time we talk about something else. He keeps, you know, getting in dog references, and I just know he's desperate to talk. About <laughs> I just know he's really keen, but we'll hold off. So, uh, we chose next. Uh, a show that I don't think was on anybody's radar, but it was just in the coming next week thing on uh, Netflix, and I had, I think, seen a trailer long ago. This is Lupin, which is a five-part French drama on Netflix. Now all of it is there, as is the case with Netflix. This is the story of um, Arsène Diop, I'm going to say, or Arsène Diop. When we first meet him, we just think he's a janitor at the Louvre, he owes a lot of money to a crime gang and he says to them, I work at the Louvre where the necklace of 
Marie Antoinette is going to be auctioned off and to pay my debts to you, I will help you steal it and we will become millionaires. And it, it starts off thinking it's going to be a heist drama uh, and then we get a certain flashbacks of Arsene's family life, particularly with his father who worked for this upper-class family. He is accused of stealing the necklace, which shock horror is the one that Arsene wants to uh, steal and we get flashbacks back and forth. We also see that uh, his father is very into his books and gives Arsene this uh, book about uh, Lupin, who is this master of disguise. Um, heist. Gentleman thief, isn't it? The gentleman thief. He, he, he lives in plain sight. He can become anyone and behave as anyone and fool anyone. And we eventually learn that this is who Arsene is. He's modelled himself on this character and he is not the trodden down man we believe him first to be he is in fact this international man of mystery who can do anything and be anything and has modeled himself on this character and it would just happen that the police officer who is investigating the missing necklace is also a fan of this character what are the odds of that um so there's that going on when i first watched this i thought oh i don't know whether this is a netflix original in as much as it was made by Netflix, or whether somebody somewhere has seen this and thought, money heist is... Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com slash holiday. It's a massive foreign export on Netflix that does really well for us. We'll buy this because it's a heist thing. But actually, the first episode ties itself up rather well. And it was actually surprisingly uh, limp, I thought, the more it went on. The flashbacks explained his motivations, explained who this was, and they were placed well so they didn't give the game away too quickly. But I, I don't know, it felt like it was just getting going in parts, and then it slowed down to a crawl, and... I have to say it didn't it didn't enthrall me as much as I was hoping. I was expecting this whole series to be about you know him on the run with this necklace and it was actually more an episode in in the frame of like the BBC BBC drama Hustle years ago where they explained how he got away with the necklace and how he fooled all these people and who he really is. But actually it just left me feeling a bit disappointed. Honestly, uh, well, well actually I kind of have a different feel or a different reaction to yours i it it, it, it engaged me uh, quite a bit and actually when i first heard about it, i was thinking that this was a, dra- a dramatization of this anime series called lupin the third which does tie back into the lupin property and, until i actually you know watched the show did a little bit of background information i didn't realize that uh the lupin character and property 
had been around for a hundred years as a book series, mm. and that from that the anime series, which is called, again called Lupin the Third, which is the grandson of Lupin. I think that this show feels on brand for Netflix. Sherlock meets Money Heist. Asin is a, is, a, is a very charismatic, very charming figure. The episodic nature of this, for me, works because so many Netflix shows, the first uh, series or season is about actually pulling off the job, the heist, or whatever. We get that in this. So to me, it kind of inverts that normal Netflix formula because mm. after a while, you know, you kind of get tired of the buildup, the buildup, to the actual event. I want to see the actual event and then see where they go next. Uh, the flashbacks for me, I think, help set up where this series could go long term because clearly, you know, there's going to be more with this uh, the family, the Pellegrin family. We got mm-hmm. the flashback with the teenage Asin meeting uh, a teenage Juliet in their first kiss. And I'm wondering, was there a deeper relationship? there after his father went to prison for uh, being accused of stealing the necklace. I wonder where that went, because clearly he did not want her, Austin did not want Juliet to see him at the auction. So I'm sure that there's something there. I think that there is enough meat on this bone. I do agree that, you know, we got this great heist. I think maybe it was a little over the top with, you know, the Lamborghini kind of crashing into yeah. the skylight of the Louvre. Yeah, I will I will give you that. But I, again, I feel like it's about, you know, this show has to uh, appeal to a, an international market. And, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, I will say this as an American, we like the, you know, over the top, you know, moments in a show. And so I think that, you know, once that occurs, he actually steals the necklace. Then we find out, you know, about his family life and his family situation with his son and so forth. I, I think that that's when it slowed down for me and it, it, as it reached the end. It should have kept building that momentum, especially, you know, putting some things in the place to learn more about what was going on with his father and maybe why his father was killed, which I'm sure they're going to cover in, in subsequent episodes. I just thought at times it was almost like a kid show, like a teenage show, because it was all action. It seemed to be not a great deal of depth there, at least in that first episode. Too many of the characters, and that, that was a turn-off. I think you're right. I think something like Money Heist, which I love, which is completely bonkers but feels authentic in that world, and those characters feel real, both those being held hostage by the guys in the red suits, but also the motivations and the criminality behind it, and and that does some bonkers things that work in that world. This seems a little bit too heightened, and I personally always struggle with things like that. I really enjoyed this. I I didn't know what to expect at all going in. I knew nothing about... Did you watch it in French, or did you watch it American dubbed? Okay. I thought it would be a a cop show, if I'm honest, when when the, the credits first hit, and then by and by you meet this guy and and you you are duped into thinking about him what other people do you know he's this down on his luck loser Mm. who's working as a cleaner who owes money over town he's a deadbeat dad i i thought the flashbacks gave you that context about the character and actually it linked into his relationship with his own son which i i i felt was well done i didn't i don't particularly agree that it slowed down 
towards the end. It, it, you know, it had me throughout, really. The only thing I would agree with is that it, what the police officer being a fan of those books was a bit far-fetched. But apart from that, I really like this. You know, I didn't think it was style over substance. It was a bit of a sort of a revenge thing in a way, wasn't it? That was what it was for me. There was elements here of hustle. I, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't Definitely. mentioned that. Already. I did do. I did do. Did but thanks for li- thanks for listening. Yeah, oh, I missed I that. Com- <laughs> <laughs> I'm here every week. I, I must have yeah just zoned out for a moment. Looked out the know, window again. But yeah, that that sort of style, the planning of the heist, and then how the planning of it, and then how it goes. Criminals trying to spray chloroform into people's eyes, and it not working straight away. And and I know I I really liked it. You know, as you say, it is it is a piece of fluff at the end of the day yeah. but it's entertaining it's engaging the lead actor omar sai who i found really charismatic throughout you know you need that level of performance that sort of debonairness you know that that willingness for everyone to believe him to be a certain type of character when he meets them and and i just yeah it just grabbed me throughout and and as as mo said you know there's that level of intrigue about what happened to the necklace you know we know that it, that it was separate jewels from the necklace were found different countries and then brought back together again so there's obviously this this intrigue behind it we know that the the father of this family whose necklace you know who it belonged to was having some level of trouble at work so was he involved in you know the, his own necklace going missing in the first place and the, and that for me is is the mystery that that will take us going forward i think and it's only i believe five parts so yeah but this was part one so i don't quite know what that means of five no no (laughs) it was part one no no it was part one one point five if that makes any sense so i think money heist does the same thing where it's like see part one and then there's ten episodes in part one there's five episodes of in this part yeah Okay. I don't know when the others and are. Actually, it did do a, a reverse Luke special in this, where it, it yes. flashed back to two weeks ago, halfway through, or towards <laughs> the end. I didn't mind that. You know what? I didn't mind that. I, I would agree. I would say it's, it's, it's fluffy fun, but it just didn't engage me as much as some other foreign dramas and other shows I mean, I, of this I nature I haven't has. seen Money High, so maybe that's why I've got a slightly different opinion on it. Maybe. Because I, I haven't got that to compare it to. Like, you, you know, you guys have been comparing it to Money Heist. I haven't yeah. got that comparison. Maybe yeah. I would have a slightly different opinion had I seen Money Heist and could see the similarities there. But for me, I found this entirely engaging. You know, not everything can be that procedural thing. Some no, no. things it, have, have that level of escapism. Yeah. It was fluff, It was fluffy fun, yeah. but it just wasn't enough fun for me to go, oh, oh I want to see the next one. Okay, I completely enough. get that it's not this... Jimmy McGovern, Paul Abbott drama about the guy who's been <laughs> wronged and, and it's it's fun. There was elements of that there. You know, there was that element of social commentary, you know, that that him and his dad had come from Senegal and, uh, you know, there's that first instance where the lady in the family, her car breaks down. He's the chauffeur, but she doesn't recognise him straight away and she puts the locks down on the car. There was that slight level of authenticity that everyone looked down on the dad and, and the son, and that's why he could get away with hiding in plain sight because nobody really saw him. You know, it wasn't just stuff. There was a little bit of that below-the-surface stuff that, that kept you... you My favourite bit that made me... I say favourite bit, it made me squirm, 
was Juliet said, I'll kiss you if you can swim, because I've heard people, you know, you can't swim across. And I just thought, my God, this has gone very, very awful. But that was the element of it. Honestly, I thought that was an authentic moment. Yo, and I'm gonna say, you know, as someone who is black, I mean, I've heard that. And yeah, I've heard that. So, (laughs) so it's, it felt very real to me. Yeah. Enough to carry on, uh, Mo, do you think? Or where do you stand on, did you watch it in French as well? Or did you watch it American dubbed? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not a barbarian. Of course, I watched (laughs) it in French with the subtitles. I mean, (laughs) don't get me started on dubbing i mean i watch anime and i watch it in japanese with the subtitles just yeah that's a whole thing but yeah i plan on continuing on with this i like a bit of escapism um i think there is enough there with the social commentary the revenge story element that will keep me engaged i'm curious to see does this revenge arc end after the five parts and then part two is some whole other storyline we'll see but i'm definitely on board Feeling like we're the we're the only podcast and the only website really talking about this. I haven't seen anyone else talk about it. And normally, if something turns up on Netflix somewhere, there'll be a lot of chatter about it. Matt, you enjoyed it enough to carry on? Me, yeah. sorry, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I I was the same, Luke. I had a quick look after I'd watched it, mainly to see how much people had given away. Because for me, part of this was not knowing anything about it going in and and i think that's possibly why it was a surprise to me and uh, there's only a couple of american websites i could found that had done reviews of this really you know as you say no one certainly in this country has has looked at mm. seems to have seen it uh carrying on who are you talking to now you've asked both of us haven't you oh so did you say you were carrying on? i, I did say yes <laughs> how far did you how, how far did you, you carry on no, that's enough for me. But I, I'm happy for you two to carry on. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to pop round and say, don't watch that. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Finally, we're going to talk about a show that Mo has been desperate to talk about since he came on the phone call today. This is Sheridan Smith playing a part as Mel and Sue in a dog grooming competition called Pooch Perfect. And before you say anything, this is based on an Australian format and has done really well over there. And the BBC are putting a lot of their eggs in the basket. This is as a lead-in to Death in Paradise on a Thursday night. I don't think we need to go into the specifics of it. It's basically bake-off for dog groomers. Mo, let me hear every bit of notes that you wrote down on this. Was it? I mean, you're, you're you're a dog owner as I am. But what what did you? Was this bonkers or fun? Um, I, I would say it's a little mix of both, actually. Um, you know, definitely as you mentioned, the Bake Off feel to it. Um, but the bonkers part of it for me was the second half. You know, you know, having this competition where they end up on a catwalk um and then are judged by the fit i think that yeah dog walk dog walk yeah i think that was a bit bonkers but the first half you know really you know it it was essentially bake off you know the instead of ingredients you had the dogs and 
<laughs> dog, <laughs> so you're gonna mix and match dog pie it. yeah dog pie <laughs> dog but you know just just as i think that you know having uh colin taylor who was on the australian version and mm. on <laughs> the bbc version really helps with that sense of continuity yeah that's not what that I that's what i needed to make this work continuity <laughs> and, and so, you know, so having him walking around judging, you know, just just the feedback that they were giving <laughs> the stylist, I thought was as a dog over, you know, I'm not thinking about the precise cut, you know, along their legs and whether or not they're <laughs> allowed. <laughs> yeah, the amount of scissoring, the word scissoring came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do appreciate that they had that Balu, you know, there just to ensure that, you know, the dogs are comfy. I mean, because it, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, you don't get that in Bake Off. You know, you don't have a dietician someone, there. Yeah, a dietician there, you know, walking around, um, making sure that everyone's feeling comfortable and safe and so forth. Now I do have, you know, just just a, just a thought about, um, you know, Matt. That you know, in terms of why you chose the show, it's like I you don't know, know why this is on me. I mean, we, <laughs> I, pulling back the curtain a little bit here, we have a discussion every week about what we can watch, and and this just this was one of the big shows that the BBC have been promoting really hard, and I thought that I you know, would have happily not watched. But yeah, but it, I, I think it was potentially because it would be an entertaining discussion to have, I thought. And particularly it, uh, with an American man who had no idea what he was going to be watching. And you two are both dog owners, you know. Yeah. That, that yeah, was it, really. It wasn't a big that, sort of thing. The, thing. the thing that fascinated me was, I get, you know, I haven't watched The Bake Off for a long time. I sort of watched it in its peak, and even then I wasn't, you know, a massive Bake Off fan, but I did see its appeal. With this, I know it's fun and I know people like to watch animals and Sheridan Smith is likeable and all that. But it's not as if you can go home, you know, Mo couldn't replicate any of the scissoring on his own dog safely. Really. So it's just, it just made me wonder, like, who this is for? Cause, because you can't, you know, you could attempt to do but a cake off, bake off. I, I, I pretend- suppose, I, and I'm not sure how much of this you're aware of, Mo, that we have... Following the Bake Off, there's been a lot of other sort of pretenders. There's the been sewing the pot- bee. Pottery, throw down yeah. the sewing bee. Was there one about allotments? Or am I just imagining yes. that? Oh, yes. yes, yeah. Yeah, but even those, somebody who feels like they want to pick up a paintbrush or pick up, uh, you know... A lump of clay. Uh, yes, or pick up a lump of clay. <laughs> or really? buy an allotment. Besides the fact that it's, you know, it's there's, cuddly there's warm. I, I suppose the, the, the main thing is there's not a lot of variation, really, to shampooing and cutting a dog's hair at the end of the day. There's only so much you can do, whereas those other formats, there is more variety in I'd that. I'd be lying field. if I said I was disappointed there were no injuries. I wanted to see injuries. I wanted, <laughs> to, I wanted to see an attack. <laughs> Wow. And I, I, I found, you know, that Sheridan Smith was a little bit lost at times as well in this, you know. Well, also, I, I felt think, like it was still recently. I was going to say recently. she didn't have a co-host, but she did. She had Stanley. You know, Matt, I thought you, one of the reasons why you chose this is because 
A, you needed you needed some more Sheridan Smith in your life. Oh yeah, definitely. Or yeah. you're secretly her publicist. <laughs> well, she's been, she was on the one show on the same night, promoting the hell out of this. So, well, um, God, you didn't, yeah, you did but, well that night. You know, I I I think. They they wanted an actress because it was Rebel Wilson who hosted this in in Australia. So I think they wanted someone similar. My my first thought was, did they approach Paul O'Grady for this? Did he turn it down? Because this seems mm. like an ideal. You know, he's obviously known over here. For or the, the two for of the them dog. together would have been fun. Mm. You know, he, what he... I, an eyes down reunion. Yes, that's what we need. <laughs> but yeah i just found she felt a bit like you know there was other people yeah like that vet just disappeared halfway through as well i don't know what happened to him um and and the the he was the on call yeah the criticisms <laughs> that the the judges were giving you know like you you get that don't you with with paul hollywood and, and true leith when they're going around telling the bakers that that mix looks a bit wet or what have you, you know, the, the, the criticisms here were, oh, I don't know if he's cut his hair too short or, or he's, he's taken too long to, to come up with an idea. And yeah, it was just, you know, I, I can understand why they did it. And, and someone said, you know, that the oh, yeah. dog ownership has gone up a lot over lockdown. So more people have dogs now. So, but yeah, I, I but mean, there's eight I, episodes I, of this. Is it mm-hmm. different people every week or is it the same well, people? They're going through to the quarterfinals, aren't they? So uh... I assume there will be heats, quarterfinals, semifinals and the final. Well, Mo's yeah. definitely going to watch the rest. So he'll have to tell <laughs> us. Well, you know, I've got to hear more of those zingers from uh, Colin Taylor, like uh, Charlie Chaplin Easty Westy, you know, talking about making sure it was a symmetrical cut. I mean, we want I, to see those floating feet. Yeah, that the flo- <laughs> yeah the pet, yeah the floating feet. I was like, look. In, in 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 truthfulness, I I think that um it came at the right time as it was a nice sort of respite from the sort of deluge of news and so forth that I've been consuming mm. this week. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of curious about what would my response be another week in, in in which things were somewhat normal? Would I have been really bored or would I just have... I thought this was just funny, fluffy entertainment that, you know, it, it wasn't harmful. It, it, it just... No, no, you yeah. can't say and it, But it's such low stakes, you know. Yeah. If they cut his hair a bit short, then it's going to grow back fairly quickly. <laughs> the stakes are quite low and it's not really relatable for the viewer but if you just want to watch people around fluffy dogs I would would have liked because as you say at the end of this where they had the dog walk it was the four dogs that they bought in you you met their owners I would have loved one of the owners to go he looks rubbish now yeah like (laughs) like they used to do on changing rooms (laughs) where the owners would come and go I hate this now I hate what you've done doesn't look like my dog anymore Keep it. I don't understand who it's for, but I know it's going to be... There are eight episodes, though, which fascinates me, how, whether it will be able to withstand eight episodes. And also, because we live in COVID land at the moment, I also thought, was Sheridan Smith unable to go anywhere near them? It seemed like she was keeping a distance. Yeah, they were all bit. keeping... You could tell that they were all keeping their distance yeah. from each other. Yeah. And that yeah. did distract me a little bit, I have to say. I'm always distracted a little bit by how things are made in this weird universe that we live in at the moment. But uh, Pooch Perfect, Mo's favourite show of the year so far. Thursday's at at 8 on BBC One. 
what was your favorite show that we watched this week, Mo? Actually, I'd like to know whether it was the one that stayed with me probably the most would be uh, Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody. I think that one really stayed with me. Um, yeah. Lupin, while I found it entertaining, you know, it's popcorn fun. But yeah, Twenty Four Hours just it did really stay with me. Brilliant and honorable mention to Pooch Perfect. Um, um, for all the jokes we made I can definitely foresee it having an American remake anytime soon oh oh, most definitely I mean I've heard because for terms of like that pottery throwdown and so forth that stuff's coming on HBO if it isn't here it's already it's coming on HBO Max that's why Um, you pay the big bucks for HBO Max (laughs) for the great pottery throwdown but (laughs) so so I wouldn't be surprised if like Two, three weeks from now, there's a press release on Deadline Hollywood saying Pooch Perfect is coming to HBO Max. Would (laughs) would not surprise me one bit. I could very easily see a remake of this. Um, Even on like uh, PBS or something, PBS over here doing a remake of this very easily. So who could host it? We need a dog-loving actress celebrity. Well, I, I, you know, Sheridan Smith is. I doubt she'd come over here and she's do it. She's not allowed to to fly to America at the moment. It has yeah, to be someone who's already there. I, I off I'd the top think of my it. head, I feel like I don't know her preference towards dogs, but it feels like someone, something like Amy Poehler, perhaps. Well, she's already got Making It, which is a similar oh, show minus dogs. Okay, um, but yeah, the, the other one I had in my head was Anna Faris. I don't know why. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you that's know, wait. Given this they, a lot of thought. Yeah. Well, 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 well that would be a great. Uh, yeah, that's a great follow-up gig. She's she's left mom. Um, her her sitcom, Pooch Perfect, uh, in America. Per, you know, great transition for yeah. for her. I would also say possibly uh, Beyonce Knowles. Uh, I mean, they they mentioned her. Not sure whether or not yeah. they have the enough Sheridan money. Smith for... of America. Yes. <laughs> I also like the idea of Kaylee Cuoco now we're doing it. This could be a podcast in itself. Yeah, actually, I think she could do it. I think that, you know, just in terms of her current slate of shows, whether it's the animated Harley Quinn, the flight attendant, I think she's she's kind of going for stuff that has a little bit more bite to it these days. But <laughs> well, uh, It's more bite than a dog. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she get bitten by the dog bug. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that is the podcast this week. Mo, it's been a pleasure. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at DrMo77. Again, not an actual doctor. We should clarify that. If you've got any <laughs> warts or bumps or anything, don't send them to Mo. He's not qualified. <laughs> I am not qualified to treat you, but however, you know, if you f- feel free to uh, hit me up if you want to. I am qualified to talk about comic books and and other geek related things how do you feel about uh while we got you on uh, how do you feel about jodie whittaker perhaps leaving doctor who because you're the only one that could really talk to talk to us in any depth about it i find that to be interesting if she is leaving contemporary doctors you know other than tenet have pretty much stayed you know did three and they're out if she does leave and I can understand why she would want to leave, probably, you know, to pursue some other roles, because it's probably an all-consuming job. You know, it's probably very limiting in terms of what else you can do. That who would be or the next doctor? Is it 
uh, is it another female? If you switch back to a male, or, or is it then in the case of is it someone of a person of color, which would be mm. very fascinating. So I think that uh, if she is leaving, you know, it does create an interesting scenario for the BBC. My understanding is is that uh, regardless, Chris Chibnall is leaving. I really hoped that under Jodie Whittaker's tenure that we would have gotten a doctor who you know has come to really trust her companions which is one of my my faults with this current iteration it just feels like she doesn't quite trust her companions which is very frustrating um Mm. also with chibnall writing i'm really surprised that there hasn't been talk of additional spinoffs um bringing back either unit or torchwood um since he was you know, heavily involved in Torchwood. But I do like the fact that, of course, we got uh, Jack Jack Harkness back for the New Year's Day special. Well, we'll have to have you back on when they announce um, the next Doctor because I'd be interested on in your take on it. Um, Matt is at Matt's TV Bites. The podcast is at Custard TV Pod. Matt and I will be back with another wonderful guest very soon. Any final thoughts, Matt, on Pooch Perfect? His silence speaks volumes. <laughs> well, I was on mute. I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> I, but but I, I just said no. I was trying to think of something entertaining, but no. <laughs> okay. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.